I'm Anna. And I'm Zoe. Welcome to That Christian Podcast. Hello. Welcome back. And it's December. It is. Merry Christmas. Happy jingle Advent. Bells, jingle bells. Samson's just staring at us like, what are you doing? We have Samson with us, so if you do hear growling, as usual, it's not us. Yeah, he's just being a wee cutie. Um, yeah, we've got a fun one for you this week again. It's not quite as um, dramatic as last week's. A little bit different. Mm-hmm. But on Sunday, you might remember from two weeks ago, we were saying about how we had asked our pastor about like doing this idea we had to sort of almost, not do like a live podcast, but do the sort of preach as kind of like a chat show. Just like very natural the way, but still have all the points to that a sermon would, like really digging into the Bible, but also chatting about it and how can we really mm. practically apply it to like our lives and the communities around us. Yeah, and I was basically also feeling that it's good to do something different, particularly as we'll go on to say, this is a lot about community and engaging with other people. So why should, I'm not saying it would be wrong for me to stand up and preach on that, but why not do it in a way that's engaging with people as you preach on engaging with people? That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's also, I hope that the way that we do this and the way that we present this sort of, I don't, I don't know what to call it because I don't want to call it a sermon because it's not that. But I hope that with the way we, we present it is very engaging for people who maybe aren't familiar with church and the gospel so much as well. A Bible exposition through conversation. That's what we can call it. Okay, that sounds way too fancy. <laughs> that That is not... If you put on that the PowerPoint at our church, a Bible exhibition competition for expose, whatever whatever you said there, nobody is going to be thinking this is relatable. Samson agrees with you. He's fuming. Right, why are you growling, pup? Yeah, let's dig in and we'll start by reading the passage. So we're reading from Acts 8 and it's verse... 26. Do you want to go, Zoe? The conversion of the Ethiopian official. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem from Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting on his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb in silence before his shearer. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? From his life is taken from the earth. For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, Who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were travelling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. 
What would keep me from being baptised? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was travelling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I just realised as well, we never actually said, we gave the context to what like we're doing, but we never said, basically this podcast, you're getting a little behind the scenes glimpse yes. as we prepare, because we thought, what better way to prepare what we're doing than do a bit of a practice run on the podcast? Yeah. So first of all, we just wanted to look at who actually is Philip? So... Before we really get digging into what this passage is about, in Acts 6-5, Philip, Stephen and others were chosen as deacons. So this was a group of disciples, of believers at the time. So right from the beginning, he's pointed out as someone who's very practical. Deacons were chosen to serve at tables. And he's also selected as someone who's got good repute, so good reputation. He's full of the spirit and he's full of wisdom. And he was actually known as Philip the Evangelist, which we can see because he goes around sharing the good news of Christ with others, as well as serving the tables. So he's really practically supporting people. And this passage that we're looking at happens just after Stephen's death, which was really awful. He was persecuted for his faith and Philip was a friend of Stephen. So it would have been a very difficult time with the church being persecuted. So that's a bit of an oversight into who Philip was. And then we also wanted to look at who is the eunuch. So the eunuch is the other kind of main character in this story. Mm. So the eunuch is a worker for the queen of the Ethiopians and he's in charge of the treasure of the money. So he's essentially a treasurer. And this was a high responsibility. He was in a position of great power and great wealth. However, despite this, despite his title, despite his position, in many ways he was an outcast. He was castrated, which means, to put it bluntly, his testicles were removed. And this was something done for people working with royalty to prevent temptation and corruption in order to protect women, really. So he couldn't continue his family line because of this. And it wasn't something that he could have hidden. It would have been very obvious that he was a eunuch in the way that he dressed. And that's only in his own culture, even more so in a Jewish culture he would have probably been unlikely to enter the temple as a eunuch or become a priest, um, as that's dictated in the Jewish laws, that he wouldn't be allowed to do that. So this man, we're told that he's a Jew, but he actually wouldn't have been able to engage with the faith very much. And on a completely different level, he wasn't from the Middle East. He was most likely a black man, considering that he was from Ethiopia, So again, he would have probably been looked down upon because of his race by the Middle Eastern Jews. I think what I notice here that's so interesting, actually, is they're both taking a long journey as well. Mm. So we've got the eunuch coming from Ethiopia, and then we've got Philip coming from Jerusalem. And I I can't quite remember how long each distance, how far each distance is, but it's certainly a journey. Yeah, I remember... A significant journey. Between Ethiopia and where they meet is huge. Like, the Ethiopian has gone a very long way to worship in the temple. And as we said, he would have very likely been rejected. Mm. So it's a huge distance to go for someone who would then probably just be cast out or not respected or looked down upon. Yeah. So now that we've given a bit of background to 
who Philip is, who the eunuch is, these are our two main characters in the story. And now in the passage, it starts with an angel of the Lord saying to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So that's talking about that journey. So he started out and on his way, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. And as we said, this is this man's a really important official in charge of the treasure of the queen of the Ethiopians. So this man has been in Jerusalem to worship. He's on his way home and he's sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit says to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So I think the thing that we want to know first here is that Philip is very in tune with God. Um, From Samaria, north of Jerusalem, um, the Lord dictates to Philip to go southwest towards the coast. And this was in the territory that was once associated with Israel's ancient nem- enemies. I'm saying nemesis. <laughs> enemies, the Philistines. So this wasn't comfortable territory for him. It's funny because at church actually last week, just as you say that, mm-hmm. we were looking at the passage of Jonah and actually Jonah's being sent into a territory that he's really uncomfortable with, but he runs away from it. Where it's just a fu- it's a, actually a funny contrast yeah. to see... Philip is going into a, te- a new territory. Well, it might not be new to him, but certainly a territory that's not traditionally Jewish. Or it's like, not somewhere where the spirit of the Lord rests. Yes. Yeah. And he goes there. He does exactly as God asks. Yeah. He just gets up and goes. And I think when God calls us somewhere, we don't always know what the plan is. It doesn't say that Philip was told. He was just told to go. And we don't always know what the plan is or who will be impacted when God takes us somewhere, but we need to listen to him and trust him. So I just I think it's important with that as well to be thinking, do you think that you're in tune with God? Because I think often we expect to hear a clear, audible voice, but that's not always the case. Yeah. And I know I certainly, reading this, it makes me want to be, makes me so much more eager to be more in tune with God. Mm -hmm. And I think, I was thinking about how can we be more in tune with God? And I think it's so important to spend time engaging with him and praying. But how do we do this? I think a huge part comes from prioritising time with God. I think often we spend time, we think of, we view spending time with God as a habit or a routine that we need to get into and um, get perfect but this view often makes us feel inadequate or we base our relationships with God off of how much we have read the bible that week so prioritizing God is important but it needs to be intentional I think for me it can be helpful to treat spending time with God more like how I would spending time with a friend so for example if I like we spend a lot of time together Anna and I and that's not out of habit. Mm. It's out of the fact that I really love Anna and really like spending time with her, doing things like podcasting. I actually find that so helpful when you said that because I think I always feel, oh, I need to be in a habit mm. of reading. By, actually, yeah, you're so right. We shouldn't view it as a habit necessarily. Mm. We and should want to spend time with God because we love God. Yeah, and as we grow in our faiths and draw closer to God, naturally we should want to spend yeah naturally that time with God should increase I guess but that spending time with God 
isn't necessarily what we might expect it to be and I think that's where we each need to find what method works for us to become in tune Mm. with God so what what ways do you find works for you because I know often what I do for spending time with God is probably the traditional spend time reading bible spend time praying Mm. maybe have a devotional that's and I actually really enjoy that yeah but I know that that with you having dyslexia that's not always how you find spending time with God yeah I think can you give some examples yeah for me I do think it's important to learn things from the bible and engage with the bible but for me really when I connect most with God is when I'm maybe listening to worship music or praying out loud or something and this is actually something I do need to work on spending more time doing um I used to a lot of the time write my prayers out to God Mm. And I find that writing my prayers really helps me focus because my mind wanders so much and I get distracted. So actually to write is helpful and I actually get more down and it really helps me to speak with God when I'm writing to God. But I think there's other things we can do. Um, And that's not to say that I never read my Bible and feel connected to God. It's just not always the case. But I think there's other things we can do. Maybe it's reading the Bible on your own or with others or going for a prayer walk or um, listening to Christmas carols filled with scripture. It's not a one size fits all and it's about your relationship with God, not what other people think is best for them. I also think with that as well, it's really important when looking to spend time with God, working out when works for you. Yes. I think often it's very easy to kind of do the traditional either first thing in the morning, last thing at night. But actually sometimes that, I don't think, can always be the best Mm -hmm. time to engage with God and spend time with God because often in the morning you're a bit rushed, you can be rushing around or in the evening you're tired and wanting to get to sleep. So it can almost be a quick read your token chapter, pray and go to sleep. Whereas I think it's working out, okay, when can I actually spend focused time with God Mm -hmm. here? And that comes back to almost getting out of the way of like making it a habit but more seeing it as something that's important to you and that you want to do yeah and relationships change don't they so maybe for most of your life you've got up in the morning and prayed and read your bible but that doesn't maybe at some point that will stop enabling you to connect with God and you need to try something else because it is a diverse relationship it's toing and throwing it's not just a I engage with God at this time every day this way and I think even with that though it's really important to see if that works for you that's brilliant and that's great yeah so like that does work for a lot of people and it will continue to work for a lot of people but it's really making sure that as you prioritize your time with God make it time when you've got like focused time if that Mm -hmm. makes sense and I know that's like in some ways I feel that's very rich coming from me like I don't think any of us are perfect with that and we can always improve but it's certainly something to think about yeah and I think we also need to spend time engaging with one another because while Philip was on his own here he did have a network of people who he would learn from Mm. and share his life with so I think we do need to constantly engage and encourage one another as well and that as a result will make us grow closer to God. The next thing we wanted to kind of talk about was what was the eunuch reading? So we're told that he's reading Isaiah 53 verses 7 to 8. And that says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
and as sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet two of his generation protested, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. So I think it's important to note with this text, during the time scripture would have been a continuous scroll with writings on it. It wouldn't have been split into the chunks like we have today with chapters and verses. So the eunuch would have been reading Isaiah, a, ch- a chunk of Isaiah as a whole, including probably including what we now refer to as Isaiah 56 verses 3 to 8. Now, this part says, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely execute me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And I think this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think along with these things in Leviticus, um, the laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, which say that he would have been um, rejected, it's just incredible. I mean, how must he have been feeling when he read that passage to know that God cared so much about him that he'd be welcomed in? Yeah, how must he have felt? I do think as well, the passage says that he didn't understand what he was reading. Mm -hmm. But if you look back, the purpose of the eunuch's journey was to worship, and it was to go up to Jerusalem to worship, but he didn't fully understand. So I think there must have been... I mean, he must have felt confused at times. Like, he's got this passage from Isaiah saying that the eunuchs will get an everlasting name that will endure forever. But then he's also knowing the old laws from Leviticus and Deuteronomy and those kind of things. And it is funny when the people in Jerusalem would have likely rejected him or treated him as unholy because he's a eunuch. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how could he have really understood this passage given his life experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I think what also strikes me about this whole thing is that he had an Isaiah scroll. He was going on his... He he was worshipping in Jerusalem. He must have been... He must have had some grasp of... The, the faith of the fact that he needed the God of Israel but he just didn't quite get it yet he didn't have Christ in the picture yet so I think it just must not have clicked together for him quite yet and that's where he needed Philip sent by God to come alongside him and guide him Philip was there to do this because he was in tune with God I do think with this there must be so many people in our churches even in our communities who, like the eunuch, have that awareness that they need something supernatural in their lives, but they've just not quite got it yet. And at the end of the day, how can they understand Mm. if we don't reach out to them and help them understand like Philip did? Yeah, I think so often we are very quick to um, write people off as unholy or far from God, but actually people need us to get alongside them Mm -hmm. and work with them. And when we reach out to people and walk alongside them and guide them to God, we don't know the impact that it will have on people's lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-7 to says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters anything, but only God who makes things grow. And I actually think that that passage 
relates to this very closely because as we sit down and reach out to people, we might be part of their story, but not necessarily the whole thing. Mm. So yeah, like with Philip, while in this case he did see the effects of his ministry when the eunuch committed himself to God and was baptised, Philip didn't get to see the fullness of what the eunuch went on to do. We don't know what the end of his story was, um, and we can't be sure on this at all. However, some traditions say that the eunuch was the beginning of the Christian church in Ethiopia. And how amazing is that, if that is true, that just Philip obeying God and going and getting alongside someone may have spurred on a whole faith in Ethiopia. So it's Christmas time coming up, which is really exciting. But also what comes with that is such a great opportunity to share the word of God with our communities and actually sit down with people, get alongside them and help them understand. And maybe this Christmas we'll share the good news about what God did for us by sending Jesus into the world and we won't see any lives turned around. But this doesn't mean that God isn't working. And it's also not enough, this passage shows us, it's not enough for us to simply go around speaking at people about God, but we do need to get alongside them and teach them about God ask them for their interpretations and understandings. Yeah, enable those that you evangelise to to share their stories and understand God with them from their perspectives. And I think as well it's important to note in the passage the Ethiopian invites Philip to join him. Philip does go after him, but the Ethiopian lets him in. The Ethiopian wants to chat with him. If you're also listening and you're not a Christian, you might see things changing in your lives, but you're just not ready to commit to God. And it's so important to know that God is working in your life. He sent Christians to get to know you and walk with you and show you his love. And God is planting seeds. He desperately wants to welcome you into his family. So if you do believe that God's planting seeds in your life or feel like something is missing, chat to people like the Ethiopian. Invite people to come alongside you and help you to understand Share your life experiences with others and see what God teaches you and those around you. I think as we close, we just want to focus on a few key points. We want to think about how can we share the gospel this Christmas? I think one very simple way to do this is invite people along to things like carol services. Um, These are easy ways to do that, start conversations with people. And often people are so much more open than you even expect. Sometimes it's even the people you least expect to come along to these things that are actually the most willing and the most open to it. Mm. I think as well, another thing we can do is look to be positive rather than negative. It's like our mum was saying a few weeks ago um, with her whole God hunt thing. I think so often we can say, oh, what's Christmas come to? But actually, let's say let's look for things that do have Christ in Christmas and find ways of engaging people and thinking about those things. And a big thing that we need to do, Christmas is so busy. Mm. We're always rushing around, we're doing the shopping, we're thinking about food, we're thinking who all's coming for Christmas, Mm. what presents do we need to buy? Ah, I've not got my sister a present and there's only three days till Christmas. But slow down, just take a take time to walk with people at their pace. Philip ran over to the eunuch and caught up, but then he sat with them and taught them. Walk with people and see what they can teach you as well. Mm -hmm. And show that, really show them Jesus' love and share with them what the gospel is and what it means 
to be a Christian and be loved by God. Yeah, and finally I would say as well, let God break down your rough edges, whether you're a Christian or not. Let God break down your rough edges, let him work in you, allow people to come in and teach you and be taught. And I think it's so important with that though as well, not to be patronising. No. And actually just have conversation, it doesn't need to be anything fancy, just sit down, grab a cup of tea and chat as you would normally with, if you're talking about anything else. One thing I was actually thinking of this week, um, we were doing a devotional on the story of Mary in our women's group on Tuesday, last Tuesday morning. And I was just thinking, you know, we were talking about questions like how would Mary have felt giving birth to Jesus? Why not ask people that question? Say to people, do you know the nativity story? How do you think you would have felt in that situation? How do you think? Engage people in the passage. It's been fun doing this. It's been good to run through. And I think that's us now sort of finished the main points that we're going to share in church. But it's definitely been helpful. I think there's things I've learned as been reading through this and sort of things I've thought, things that we could do better. What about you, Zoe? Yeah, I think it's been really good to identify um, different... Samson's growling away. Identify different things. And yeah, I'm excited to get working on it again. We'll let you know how it goes. And if you would like to watch it on YouTube, we will have done it by the time this is out. So feel free to... We'll put a link in the description. So have a watch if you want to see what the final product is. See what we've changed. I, I think even like just initially, like my first thought is... I think we could come back to the Bible more. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how it goes, though. And thank you all for listening to this um, slightly rougher version. Yeah, we hope you've enjoyed it. And we hope you've also found it helpful, what we're speaking about. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, again, as usual, for anyone who donates money to us monthly or as a one-off gift through the Buy Me A Coffee. The link's in our description if you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us with the running costs. Um, The important thing, though, is that you're here and listening and being part of our community. But thank you so much to people who do donate. Yeah, thank you. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.